why can't you see these candidates and see that there's someone there that has the experience, the character, the leadership, and is a uniter and a consensus builder. And when she, and she's being and she's likable by independents and many Democrats. So why is that bad? Why is that wrong? It's almost like you're a rhino because other people like you. <laughs> it's like, what right. is wrong with being a uniter, a uniter and a consensus builder? And when you think about that too, those are female qualities. Right. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello and welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor and I am your Political Contessa. So I've said this before, I'm just going to keep saying it until probably the end of time at this point, because the coolest thing that I get to do in my work life is meet new and different people. And some people are introverts and don't like meeting new people. I am a pretty much I'm a total extrovert and I can talk to a fly in the wall. And I love broadening my horizons and broadening my network and meeting new people. And the coolest thing that I have been able to do through my volunteering on Nikki Haley's campaign is meet this phenomenal, brilliant, hardworking network of women around the country. So today I have with me my new friend from the campaign from North Carolina, which by the way, North Carolina has a very special place in my heart because it's where my oldest goes to college, Krista Moore. And so Krista is the chair of Women for Nikki in North Carolina. And here's what's really amazing about this campaign. Now, I've been in politics forever. So for me, I'm a political animal. I love policy. I'm a policy wonk. I love politics. I love campaigns. I I'm kind of love the entire thing. But what this campaign has brought out are women who have never actually touched a campaign before. They've never been involved in a campaign. They never thought they wanted to be involved in a campaign. But yet, Nikki Haley brought all of these really successful, strong, powerful, smart women out. So Krista, thank you so much for being on this episode of Political Contessa. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. So, all right, listen, we, like I said, 
I'm a lawyer and I've been active in politics since I was 19. So, so many people I have been around my entire career have been active in politics. You, though, were in corporate America as a only female in a highly male-dominated industry. You had to show how hard you could work, right? Women have to work so much harder than men to show and prove themselves in what they're doing. So tell me a little bit about your career, and then we can kind of dovetail that into why you decided to get involved in this campaign. Sure, that sounds great. So yes, I have no political experience. I mean, the closest I got to politics was ensuring that I voted in the general election and voted for a Republican president. I mean, that was the extent of it. I'm not even sure I even voted in primaries. But I was very wrapped up in my career and I was a sales leader for a large corporation for 20 years. And then I left that industry and started my own business. And I had a coaching, consulting, and training organization for 20 years. And that's when I had my entrepreneurial spirit take off and, and do my own thing. And we were very focused on coaching women in leadership, women who were CEOs and small business owners because I had experienced in this highly male-dominated industry how difficult it is to grow and succeed. And there still is a lot of stereotypes. And you're right, I probably had to work 20 times harder than the guy next to me, and that's just the way that it was. I actually moved my family 15 times in 10 years for the next growth opportunity. And I look back at that and I'm thinking, that was kind of crazy, but that's what I needed to do to be a VP of sales. That is amazing. But you do what you have to do. And and it's true. I mean, I, as a young woman in, in government and coming up the ladder, I always had different challenges than the guys had. I it felt like I was never taken seriously. And then when I did something, when I had to pull a stunt to get someone's attention, I felt like I was the one that got pulled into the principal. I would call it the principal's office, right? It would be like, you have to go to so-and-so's office. I'm like, seriously, right? right? Why aren't the guys getting in trouble for this? Or why aren't you talking to them? This, this reminds me, I'll never forget. I had, I was a VP of sales for a large company in Chicago and I had left after um, a long career with them to work for a woman-owned startup. A friend of mine was a recruiter. He said, this is the best thing. You need to do this. So I left and started my career kind of over again as a consultant for this high tech company. And then I got recruited back into the business that I was in from a company in North Carolina. And I went to North Carolina for an interview. And the interview question, I'll never forget it. There was this guy from uh, Atlanta. He had a really strong Southern accent and he was interviewing me. And he said, so what do you think our boys are going to think about a woman coming down from the north trying to tell them what to do? I swear, <laughs> that was my interview question, okay? And this was, what year was this? This was like maybe 99. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> you wouldn't get away with that today, right? At least I would hope not. Yeah, I'd hope and I not. remember just like a little draw drop, dropped and I... And I just looked at him and I said, well, when you hire me, I guess you'll figure that out. 
And I did get the job and it was a, a VP role and it was a wonderful position and opportunity. But I just, I still think about that interview question. It cracks me up. That's amazing. And you did a much better impression with that Southern accent than I did earlier with my New York accent, I think. Anyone who listens to podcasts, you've heard me imitate the late, great Joe Mondello, who was the party chair in, in New York in Nassau County when I was a kid. And so I was giving Krista a little, little example of what it was like back in the day. And Joe has unfortunately since passed, but he he made up for made up for those comments later on. So okay, you you believe in women in leadership. You have you have worked in corporate America in and and have dealt with adversity. You know what it's like to start a leadership development co- company that's focused on women in leadership. And how their styles are and what standards women need to live up to. So let's talk about leadership in general. Sure. And and what makes, what do you think makes, and by the way, this is not a gender-based question. This is, what do you think makes a good leader? Well, when I think about Nikki Haley, let's just take her as an example. And people will ask me, "Are you? do you like her because she's a woman? Do you think it's time for a woman in the White House? And I think that she is the best qualified candidate for the job. And I see the fact of her being a woman a bonus. And when I say a bonus, I just think that there's certain feminine traits that are real, that are undeniable, that she brings to the table that our country needs right now. And when I think about what are the three things that I'm most excited about Nikki about, number one, it's definitely her experience. I mean, you can put her up neck to neck against DeSantis or Trump or anyone else that was running previously, and she's got what it takes for this role. And the second thing that I look at is character. And gosh, we can do a character comparison, (laughs) right? It's just insane. And I think that's where some of the feminine characteristics kind of come into play. I mean, she's kind, she's compassionate, she has empathy. And on top of that, she's young. And sure, the fact that she's a mom, yeah, that brings a lifetime of experience along with it. And she does have a mom's heart. And what's wrong with that, right? For me, that's the bonus because I know that those attributes, bringing it to the job is going to be amazing. And then the third thing for me is leadership. And when I think about leadership, it's those leadership qualities that I see that she possesses that the other candidates don't. Trump doesn't have it. DeSantis doesn't have it. And when I think about leaders in general, it's about the ability to listen and understand. And she's done a phenomenal job with all of her town halls and listening and asking the, the tough questions and figuring out solutions. But a leader has a plan and then they passionately own that plan and they're able to like relentlessly execute that through inspiring and motivating other people. And I think that's what she is capable of doing has done previously. And I just can't imagine the energy and excitement of having such a high level leader, 
high level of emotional intelligence, high level ability to inspire and motivate people to to execute her plan to save our country. I just am I'm so certain that her leadership style is going to be the most effective. And um, so I I've studied it. I've seen it. I've read her books. I'm comparing leadership styles that are between the three that are still out there. And there's no comparison in terms of who can be the most effective. I feel like that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we just got to the thesis and that's it. Thank you so much for this episode I mean, of Political like, Contessa. <laughs> and I wish people would look at that. I don't know why they don't see that that leadership quality is so important and significant. And she's got what it takes to lead this country. And it's the biggest leadership role in the world. And she's got what it takes. Exactly. And it's her time. So I, and I, it's interesting. I was doing some get out to vote calls into Iowa. And I was lucky enough to actually talk to a person instead of leaving a voice message. And it was this young guy. And he's like, I'm kind of in between DeSantis and Nikki. And so I took that as, well, do you want to talk a little bit about what holds you back from voting for Nikki? And then he started talking about he's always had women bosses and they were the best bosses he's ever had. And he thinks that they make better bosses. So I'm just listening to his personal experience as a 33-year-old guy in business. I think he was an, a mortgage broker or something. And I thought that that was really interesting. And when you think about leadership styles between male and female, I've witnessed it. And that was one of the reasons when I started my own business, I wanted to focus on women in leadership and helping coach and consult and train them to get the leadership qualities and just the coaching style around their business to be able to be most effective because they need, everyone needs coaching and consulting, I think, but there's a stereotype that exists and there are double standards and we do have to work harder than our male counterpart. And I, I know this. It it is it is so true and and it's unfortunate because there's still that and and gentlemen who listen to this podcast, I love you and I respect you so much. And I know that you listen because you're trying to learn and broaden your own intellectual your own intellectual base. And I think that that's amazing. And so this isn't a hit on men at, at any, at, at all, but we see right now, we, Chris Christie's hot mic, right. And his comments about Nikki, Tim Scott goes and endorses Trump, the stuff that DeSantis, DeSantis earlier in the week, Nikki's dad was sick and had to go home to check on her dad. And he basically said, oh, now we have two candidates that aren't campaigning and campaigning from a basement like like it was something along the lines of campaigning mm -hmm. from a basement like Biden. I, I mean, really, how how totally disgusting and disrespectful is that? Right. She is human. Her dad is sick and she wanted to go home and check on her family. I, I find that to be like you said compassionate. Aren't we at a point now where we want leaders who lead from in front and lead by example, right? They set exactly. an example. What happened to me as, as a mom of, of teenagers 
watching Trump as president, he was so disrespectful. He is so disrespectful and he is so inconsiderate, whether it's making fun of a handicapped reporter, whether it's calling someone small hands or lying or whatever it is that he says, bird brain. And he's constantly calling people names. It makes it very difficult as a parent to say, don't call people names. Please be respectful. Please say, please, please say, thank Mm -hmm. you. Right. When the leader of the free world is making nasty comments about people. And so I want to get to a place of serious leadership where We have someone who's compact. I think everything that you said is exactly why I think Nikki is the right person right now for president of the United States. She's compassionate and understanding. But at the same time, she is brilliant. She has experience as party chair. I always looked at what have you done? What have you run for? Have you run for school board? Have you run for planning board? Have you run for water commission? Were you in the state legislature? She was a state legislator. She was a governor. So she has that domestic experience. She knows how to run a state, but she also has such a firm grasp on foreign policy. Her comments out of the gate after the attack in Israel in early October, and she was the first one to say something. It took DeSantis two weeks. There was no grass that grew under that woman's feet. She went right out. That is true leadership. That is leadership that's based off of experience. And to me, that is what we need. So we don't need more of the same. And and I, for me, it is just the moving forward, right? It's, it's leadership is, listen, we can, we can talk about what happened in the past as a, as a history point, as a point of reference of we don't want to go back. We want to move forward. It's good to know what happened here, but we want to go forward. Whereas I feel that Trump lives in the past and just wants to change what happened in the past. He's not looking forward. Well, you can also just take the two and let's take just general leadership qualities and characteristics and his ego driven, not a team player. There's just you could list the top 12 leadership characteristics and do a comparison between the two. And it'd be comical in terms of how much she rises above what what he has to offer. And, I, and it's confusing to me, but something that's very reminiscent for me as I'm watching this political landscape, because like I said, I've never gotten involved until this year, is the same thing that happened in corporate America is happening, I can see, in politics. For a woman, they really have to prove themselves. But for a guy, he can just pound his fist and say something, and that's the proof. Like, it's like everything Trump says, oh, it has to be true. But she has to prove herself. And I think that's a really, basically, she's got to work that much harder to get in the hearts and minds and souls of America. And she is unstoppable. I mean, she's relentless. She's, she keeps pushing forward. And I'm really, I'm really proud of the campaign that she's running. And it's, it's getting to an exciting point. It's really, it's super exciting. And I I guess 
seeing her and the campaign that she's running and being so positive. I mean, we're all going to New Hampshire by the time the podcast comes out. I believe it's New Hampshire is over. So we're talking about something that is in the past when this comes out, but in the future for us. But I mean, you're coming to coming up to New Hampshire, you're coming up to New England from North yeah. Carolina. You're leaving That's right. temperate weather to come up here where it's it's free, not as cold. Listen, if you live in Iowa, I am so sorry that is cold. But when you live here and it's 20 degrees, it's really, really cold to us. So you're coming up here. What is motivating you to come up and yeah, work I on the campaign in that way? I have to say, I, I retired two years ago and February 15th, I'm just sitting in my sunroom, having a cup of coffee, listening to Nikki make her announcement. And I really didn't know her all that well. I knew a little bit of her. I mean, I knew a little bit of her history, but I'm, I'm watching this on my iPad and I, I got chills all over my body. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like... I have to get involved. I mean, for me, that was a sign. <laughs> and and I, I knew I needed to get involved somehow, some way. And I remember saying to my husband, I'm like, do you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody like that 10 degrees of separation? He happened to know someone that she sat on the board at Clemson with, but hadn't talked to him in 20 years. Oh, wow. He had his phone number. He called him. The guy picks up. Anyhow, within a couple of days, I'm connected to her assistant and then I got introduced to the campaign. Since then, it moved towards Women for Nikki and the Women for Nikki Coalition. So I've been active with that coalition and movement really since the inception. And I'm on the steering committee nationally and the state chair for North Carolina. So I'm all in and I'm volunteering 100% of my time. But what drives me and what really excites me about this is this is the first time that I've seen um, a qualified female candidate for president. And I believe that she's got a shot and I believe that our country needs her now. And I'm really passionate about that. But I'm doing it, I'm volunteering my time because it's the best investment that I can do in my life right now for the future of my kids, my grandkids and generations to come. So when I wake up in the morning and I jump out of bed, I am so excited to be working on her campaign because I feel like I can make a difference by bringing my experience and my talent and just different things that I did in, in corporate America, bring it to the campaign and help in whatever way I can. And it's very rewarding, but I'm doing it for my kids in the long run. And yep, I'll be on a plane tomorrow to New Hampshire to knock on doors, make phone calls. I had two flights to Iowa that were canceled, so I'm, I missed the sub-zero degree weather, which is okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a lot of fun for me. I, I spent the past two days training people from across the country on the Get Out to Vote app and how to make phone calls to, to get out to vote. And I can do that because I had a training company. I mean, let me let me take that one. Yeah, it's been a blast. But I'll tell you, in my heart, it's been 240 years and it's time for a woman in the White House. And I, I, I believe that. That's not why I'm doing this, but it's that bonus that, that really drives me. Absolutely. Well, I look at it and say, so Nikki and I are the same age. I have three daughters. So experience matters. Leadership matters. 
Those are my two gigantic things when it comes to candidates and people running for office whenever anyone comes to me. Because I tell the story over and over again, and it's, again, nothing nothing against the men who I have spoken to who have run for office, but it's usually, I want to run for United States Senate. Okay, great. Have you ever run for office before? No. Which I know the answer to that. Do you think that maybe you want to start at, I don't know, state rep, (laughs) state senate? No, I want to run for United States Senate. Okay, so this morning, like, did you look in the mirror? You were brushing your teeth. You're like, I've done pretty damn well in life. I think I'm going to run for U.S. Senate. I think that experience actually matters, understanding the retail politics, but also understanding what goes along with being a policy is is important. Nikki is also an accountant. We we are on a spending frenzy. And it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Both sides have just been spending our kids' futures, our grandkids' futures, and our great-grandkids' futures out the window, and someone has to rein it in. And just like Nikki has been on her campaign, very frugal and flying commercial and and staying at, you know, at, at hotels where someone from the Trump campaign could come in and put a birdcage because she's not at a concierge hotel, I, I, I want to see that person in the White House. On top of that, the, like you said, to have the first female president be a woman who's in her 50s, who's a mom, who's a daughter, who's compassionate, who could explain those issues that especially Republicans, and as Nikki says, we've lost seven out of the eight last popular elections, right? Like, or the popular vote. Let's get back to having someone who could get elected by the popular vote because she's likable. She understands. She listens. There's not a single question this woman doesn't take because she's listening to people. She's learning from what she's, she's information gathering. And I think her being a woman is such a big icing and cherry on top of the cake. Yeah. It's not the cake. She's got all the substance. It is just on top that it makes it that she just gets it in a little bit of a different way that I think is really needed today. And I, I mean, think she's the, full, she's the full package. She's Let's full just, package. she's the full yeah. package. I mean, the experiences, as you said, even her personal experiences being from a small town and immigrant, legal immigrant parents and some of the discrimination that she faced growing up and being the, the a military spouse. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Well, She's I mean, package. even when she says when she talks about the abortion issue and she talks about how her husband was adopted and how she had trouble having her own children. Right. But it's it's real experiences that she's talking about. They're not made up. They're not stories that she's heard from someone else. She has friends, as we know, friends that are working on the campaign that she's had forever. Right. And know Mm -hmm. her family. Like you said, her parents were immigrants, legal immigration. And so she understands all of the complexities of the things that are going on today. She has a kid that's in college. She understands fentanyl is all over these schools and why it's important to make sure that we are strong, why we need to be strong and help our allies overseas. When you have a child who goes overseas for a semester abroad and something bad happens and you can't get them, right? It's mm-hmm. it's all that stuff that I look at and I'm like, that's 
that's what makes good leaders great leaders is having that experience, right? So it's the experience, it's the compassion, but all of that come together in your world of leadership of what makes a good leader a great leader. Yeah, this is maybe more of a question for you because it's a curiosity question because I'm not that politically connected. And so I see myself a little bit on the outside looking in and trying to understand. And I've always been a Republican and voted Republican, but I'm disappointed in the GOP. Locally in my town, I had a really bad experience first time I met the my county GOP leaders. And I, it's almost as though I know they're not supposed to endorse a candidate until the primaries, but I volunteered to work the state fair because I thought they had a booth. And I'm like, oh, I can get to know the GOP. I need to get connected more politically since I'm doing this for Nikki. And I show up and I am manning a Trump booth. There is Trump 2024 t-shirts and flags. And I was sick in my stomach. I'm like, I'm going to man a Trump booth like today? Like, what is this? So I took my Nikki pin out and put it on. And this lady that was coordinating it said, you can't wear that. And I, I, I didn't know. I'm like, why can't I wear this? And she said, well, we don't endorse a candidate until after the primaries. <laughs> and I looked around and I'm like waving my arms. And I said, okay, when you get rid of all of this, I'll take my pin off. And she kind of left me alone for most of the day. And then the new crew came in to change change shifts. These ladies all came in in their red, white, and blue and their hats. And their, they came in to take over the shift. And both of them came up to me and said, you can't wear that pin. Same answer, because we don't endorse. And then, well, then what's this? So I wrote a lot of letters. I did get a letter of apology uh, from the lady that had organized it. But that that was a bad experience. And I, it, I kind of just wonder if what I experienced in my small little county in North Carolina is happening across the United States as far as the RNC and the GOP, whatever, is it already decided who they're going to support? That's just my question to you, curiosity question, because I really was confused by that. That's really interesting because I was a party chair and you are not supposed to endorse. Now, county party is different than state party and, and local RTCs are different than than state. So that's that's a little bit different, but they shouldn't give you a hard time about it. And and it's not the unless the primary process has played out, they really shouldn't be endorsing a candidate. The chair could endorse and say, here is who I'm supporting. But it would be wrong for the entire committee to do that until the election is over. And if there's someone who feels passionately who's in it and it feels passionately about someone else, you really can't do that. Now, that being said, does it happen? Of course it happens. It's just a terrible, it's a terrible part. Going to your main question though, no, it's not all said and done. And I think it, what's interesting, and I, I actually had a conversation with a reporter earlier about this, the, what is going on in New Hampshire? Does it, does it bleed down to Massachusetts? Well, we share the same media market. And it's just Massachusetts and Connecticut and New York share a lot. 
maybe Northern Connecticut gets a little bit of Western Mass, but really Boston and New Hampshire share the same media market. So yeah, it bleeds over into us what's going on, news about candidates, news about them being there, people like me who are out there. I'll be on I end up on New Hampshire television screens when I'm doing Massachusetts TV. But as far as voter what voters are thinking, I want it to be communicated that Iowa is very specific, right? Iowa has a caucus process. They have to go they start talking, they talk to all of the candidates' representatives, they make decisions, and then they vote. It's a very different process than what we have, what you have. When you go to a voting booth and you go vote, it takes five minutes and you leave. And you could go at seven o'clock in the morning or you could go at seven o'clock at night. It's very different. And so it is that is not representative of the rest of the country. New Hampshire, all eyes are on New Hampshire right now. But quite honestly, no one has even picked up a newspaper or looked at the TV to figure out who they want to vote for. And Massachusetts and New Hampshire, I don't know about you guys in North Carolina, but our primaries, our general primaries are in September. So when you all of a sudden say to someone, oh, there's a primary and it's in January, okay, New Hampshire takes their politics super seriously. But he, Massachusetts, we're a Super Tuesday state. You're a Super Tuesday state. We're Super Tuesday, it's like, yeah. It throws the whole thing off. Like under 25% of the voters actually vote in their primaries mm-hmm. on the primary day that they actually know is going on. And then right. you throw it off every four years and say, oh, no, this is just for the presidential race. And it's in March. And, oh, we know that you're still like hit in the head with a snowball or you're trying to be a snowbird and go someplace warm and get out of your home state. And all of a sudden, so it's not all done. I just think it's the squeaky wheel effect. It's the Trump was president. He has not been president. As far as I'm concerned, the reason we have Biden is because Trump lost in 2020. So if anyone's going to say, oh, look at what a mess Biden is. Well, this mess that we're in is due to Trump not being able to win the 2020 election. Right. And so we're now giving him a third opportunity to lose and us get Biden again. I find that to be completely offensive. And I find it offensive to democracy to say that voters should just say, oh, one state voted, two states voted. So that's just the way it is. The the one thing that I I really struggle with is I almost like just want to take people and shake them. (laughs) Like, why can't you see these candidates and see that there's someone there that has the experience, the character, the leadership, and is a uniter and a consensus builder. And when she, and she's being, and she's likable by independents and many Democrats. So why is that bad? Why is that wrong? It's almost like you're a rhino because other people like you. It's like, what is wrong with being a a uniter and a consensus builder? And when you think about that, too, those are female qualities over men. So I think they're seeing things that they they meaning the world or the, the average voter or the male voter. They're seeing things that they haven't seen before in a presidential election and they don't know how to handle it. 
but it's because she's rising to the to the top in terms of who she is as a leader and where her character lies and that ability to be a strong fighter and be compassionate that's kind of an odd combination right doesn't usually exist in a politician and no. I don't think they know how to deal with that or know what to do with her. No, Meanwhile, no. it's exactly what our country needs. And I was it's, like, can't, can't you see that? Like, to me, it's just, it's black and white. It's right, right. there. Right. And instead of what you said, Rhino, and calling people names, think of this. Nikki Haley beats Joe Biden by 17 points. 17. That is not in a margin of error. I've talked to Democrats and they say, if it's Nikki Haley, she is going to be much more difficult to try to beat than Donald Trump, mm -hmm. whereas Trump and Biden are neck and neck. That, to me, putting the future of our country at risk like that is a risk I do not want to take. I want safe, secure. I want to know that we're going back into a good a, a good place, taking the United States into a good place, into the future. And and she's the only person that I can see that is really able to do it. And I do think when she turned around and she made that fella's comment, I thought it was awesome because like you endured in corporate America, like I endured early in my career in politics, the thinking that you are not competent enough because you are a it's woman. Sexism. Is sexism it's sexism at its best and or the worst right and i it's real it's and, it is and it's real and it's unfortunate and we women make up 51% of the nation and independent voters make up 51% of the voting block in the nation mm -hmm. and so my hope is that people go out and vote in the primaries in their primaries in their states don't take anything for granted regardless of what you hear in the news, stop listening to them. Listen to all news, read all news and make your and own. And listen to your heart. And listen to your heart and see what the candidates are saying and read between the lines and go out there and vote for yourself. And don't let the rest of, of the people that are, don't let your neighbors vote for you. Don't let the rest of the country vote for you. Need to get out and go vote. Yeah. One of the things that I remember speaking a lot about when I used to do sales conferences and leadership development training was the whole concept of winning because in the end leaders want to win. And, and you take that into an acronym W I N and what that represents is what's important now. And we used to teach that if you're focused on what's important now, you're going to win every day of the week. And so when I think about the voters out there, I want them to be thinking about what's important now and what's important now to your family, what's important now to your to the economy, what's important now to the future of your children, what's important now to our security. And that is Nikki Haley. I mean, it, she, her in office is going to focus on those things that are important to our country to move us forward. Four more years of Biden or or Trump is like you said, it's going backwards and there's chaos and, and there's drama and, and we don't want that. We wanna move forward. What's important now is that we focus on that. And what's important now is we vote for Nikki Haley. I love that. That is, I just wrote that down. That's amazing. Thank you for that. That's really, sure. I, think, I think that that's really important <clears throat> to communicate to people. Krista, I 
Love this. I, I want to do a whole podcast just on leadership for women and talk about your experiences and, and things that are good after the campaign is over. So I have to have you back on to, to do yeah, that. We can actually have, we can actually have a lot of fun. I have, I wrote a book in 2018 called Race to Amazing, and it was the fast track to leadership. And they're, they're in there. There's like this little, not a assessment, but I guess it is. It's like the top, 20 characteristics of an effective leader. And I would love to sit there and go, Trump, Nikki, Trump, <laughs> you know, let's just score them, right? Can we um, have like the Carl Rove whiteboard? We have a little whiteboard, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a video podcast and have the Rove whiteboard up and do the side by side. <laughs> That's great. That would be phenomenal. It also um, brings to mind that little picture that you see sometimes with the little girl. And it says that I'm not bossy, I'm a leader. It's the interpretation or the stereotype that happens to girls and to women in general. There, It's okay for a guy to be aggressive, but if a guy's aggressive as a leader, for a woman, she's a bitch. Yes. You know, yes. so it, 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 there, there is the double standard and a guy could be passionate if he's like angry about something, but a woman, it's not, it's not about passion. It's about her, her moods. She's too emotional. So it, and, and I, I feel sorry for Nikki has to be facing this straight on in the public and it's only going to get worse. I mean, I think. It's just going to get worse because who we're dealing with. Yeah. But she's strong. She's competitive. Don't underestimate her, right? Just like yes. she said, don't underestimate her. That, that is the best. Underestimate me. That will be fun. I That is my favorite thing that she says. And I think that that is the thing that propels her every day when she gets up out of bed is they're going to underestimate me, which she then works harder. And that's the other thing that she always talks about is no one will work harder than me. And and we see that. We see that with us, right? On the team. We right. see that out there with people who she has converted that didn't know if they wanted to vote for her, that might've been Trump supporters, a lot of people who were Trump supporters in the past that now want to support her, independents that never thought that they were going to vote for another Republican again are out there and interested in her and what she has to say. And and again, it goes to what you started with, experience, compassion, and leadership. And I want to leave my listener with this, which is that WIN acronym, right? What's important now? So what's important right now to you? Is it the economy? Is it the border? Is it national security? Is it education and what's going on? I, we could talk about that another time. I'm going to have to get someone on from Maine to talk about that. Is it the migrant crisis and cities like Boston, what we have to deal with? There's so much that, and everyone has something different that's important to them. And you're, you're, Feelings and your concerns should always be addressed by people that you are voting for and you're interested in. You should do your homework and not listen to other, don't listen to the echo chamber, do your homework. But also remember this, Ronald Reagan, and I always butcher, I'm going to have to pull up his quote one day, basically said, just because we don't agree 100% of the time doesn't mean that we're enemies if we agree 80% of the time. And so the question I like to ask people is, do you agree with your parents 100% of the time? 
Do you agree with your kids 100% of the time? Do you agree with your partner 100% of the time? Do you agree with your best friend 100% of the time? And I am I am 100% positive that answer is no. There's no way you agree with anyone right. except yourself 100% of the time. <laughs> so with that krista thank you so much for being on this episode that was fun absolutely thank you i really appreciate it and and for you out there in podcast land thank you so much for listening that was krista moore she is the chair of women for nikki in north carolina and i'm proud to say she is a new friend and I might have to pull her out of retirement to do some leadership training up here. For <laughs> oh, it's so funny you say that. Because I've had other people say, are you sure you want to stay in retirement? And I've had so much fun working the past 11 months. I can't imagine going back to retirement. You're too young to retire. We're pulling you <laughs> right. out. Yeah, that's it. You're done. You're done. Right. I hope you enjoyed that short stint at retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, it was about a year before I started really getting busy again. And I call it a sabbatical. I took a sabbatical, not retirement. <laughs> I love that. It was just a little break. Everyone needs a break every once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Krista, thank you so much for being with me. And for you, thank you so much. Please stay happy, healthy, and safe. And do me and yourself a favor. Make sure that you go and vote. Find out what your primary is. Go vote. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and be educated on who the candidates are. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Contessa.com.